All right, Lialda, it's your turn. Uh, um, hold on, just just a second. You're you're in the middle of combat. Everybody's waiting for you. Uh, yeah, but this is really important. What are you doing? Wait, are you on your phone playing Candy Crush? Ugh, can you please not distract me right now? I'm about to level up. Do you have an issue with problem players at your table? In this episode of Becoming DM, we talk about dealing with these issues and nuisances. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And today we are going to talk about dealing with those problem players. And before we get into the types of players, I think it might be good to talk about just a general overview of how we kind of deal with conflict resolution at the table. Yeah, I mean, and many times, especially say for like in my circumstances, again, where I deal with a lot more new players, there's oftentimes where your players don't even realize that their behavior or their actions are adversely affecting the others at the table. Absolutely. And, and because of that, it's best to start out if you have a problem mm-hmm. with some just conversation. Yeah. I mean, act like adults and, <laughs> and talk to each other. That would be nice. Um, and and when, when I say conversation, we, we don't want to just come down on the person and be like, oh, you suck, you suck, yeah. do this, do this. Uh, or else. So it really helps to understand um, why they're why they're acting like that yeah. and and make them kind of feel heard, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, as we always say, there's two sides to every story. And, you know, being able to actively listen to your player as you're talking with them outside of the game, of course, um, and to make them feel validated, to make them feel heard. Um, you know, that's the idea is to sort of encourage that reciprocity um, and that will hopefully allow you guys to move forward towards conflict resolution. And, and this is all helpful because most tables I've been at, we don't want to lose a player. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's best if, if the player keeps going because you don't have hitches with, with the story. And typically most people at the table like this person. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. It, it's not that they're just a horrible person to be around. <laughs> they probably wouldn't be at your table if that were the case. Terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you want to make sure that, that it is a, it's a conversation, not an edict. Yeah, and I, and I think another thing to also make sure that you do is provide a balance in feedback. Obviously, not everyone's a fan of constructive criticism, and uh, you know, it would be good to maybe approach it with, as we call it, like the poop sandwich, <laughs> where you, know, you, you say something good or positive, and then you provide or you kind of offer up the issue at hand and then sort of close it with some more positive feedback so that the person doesn't feel like you were saying that you're just coming down on them for the negative behavior. Like there are positive aspects to this player that you really you know, admire or appreciate, and you want to make them feel like those things are just as valuable. Yeah, and it may be something like, hey, I've, I've noticed you've really stepped up your role-playing yeah. uh, the past couple of sessions. I really appreciate that. I think it's really beneficial to the group. Mm-hmm. And then get into what the issue is. Yep. Um, um, and it's just, there's a number of reasons to do that, but I think it's it's one of the big reasons is they may be more receptive to hearing what you have to say yes. if you're not just being all negative. That's exactly the point. Uh, and then the, the last kind of part of the conversation is to work together to define what a, a potential resolution would be. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, this is possible. In some, it's just not. Some, yeah. you're, some you're going to have to, at this point, lay down what the law is going to be and, and say, yeah. this is how we're, we're going to do it. Yep. That's part of being a DM. Yep. Hmm. Uh, and then the next part of our, our DM conflict resolution, <laughs> take, take some action, right? Walk the walk. 
<laughs> and the the action is going to vary based upon what kind of problem player we're dealing with, yes. as, as well as the conversation. All of this is, and we'll get into more of those details here in just a minute. Uh, but the thing I li- I, I want to make sure to to tell all the DMs out there is mm. is that you don't punish players in game for out of game actions. Yeah. So you don't have them get their favorite magical weapon stolen from them <laughs> because they showed up late to a session. Yeah. Uh, sure, there are there are uh, potentially in-game consequences like missing a turn or something yeah. like that. But a, a punishment I think of as a, a more long-standing thing where where it's it's actually going to to influence and hurt that character yeah i mean and also you don't want them rolling like a they're searching a cavern and they roll a 19 and all they get is a crusty sock exactly you know that's <laughs> that's <laughs> that's uh i mean i love don't get me wrong i love my crusty socks in my games but um depending on the player they might like it too so. it's very true that's true <laughs> it can be turned around on me <laughs> but yeah i absolutely yeah you don't you don't want to punish their character for something that the player did yeah and then the the final portion of that conflict resolution this Mm -hmm. is the part again that you probably hope to not get to fingers crossed but at some point there are times where you're going to have to ask them to to leave your game yeah uh if if it's just a situation where they won't listen to reason where they are are a a, they're influencing everyone in a bad way no one is having fun when this person is around you may just have to say hey we're obviously not on the same page here. Yeah. You might want to go find a different game that, that has your kind of play style associated with it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I had one player one time where, yeah, the, the conflict resolution pretty much ended in him essentially vocalizing like, yeah, this this probably isn't going to be something that <laughs> I'm going to be welcome back at, you know, for later sessions. You know, there's just there's a lot of, of that headbutting going on. So ultimately, you may both come to that solution yep. that, yeah, maybe it's best to go your separate ways. Yeah, so... That's that's the that's the framework we're dealing with, mm. um, and and we're going to talk about some of this with the individual problem players, but we're not going to readdress the asking them to leave again because that's going to be the same across the board if yeah. we get to that point. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and get into our different types of problem players, mm-hmm. and the first one, the one that I've probably seen maybe more often than others, uh, it's a close tie with with a couple, but but uh, is the metagamer. And when I say metagamer, I, I know that there's probably a fair number of people out there who don't necessarily uh, know what that is yet. So let's kind of address that. It's somebody who's going to use knowledge that their, their, the player has that the, that the character doesn't have to influence the game. So I know that this monster has a weakness to um, butterfly kisses. <laughs> Not the butterfly kisses. Uh, um, so even though this is the first time my player, my character has ever seen it, I'm going to make sure that everybody at the table knows, Hey, butterfly kisses around. Everybody do butterfly. Mm, hurry. Well, I, I, now I need to mon- make a monster that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that has that, that weakness. Um, so it could be something like that. It could also yeah. be something like maybe they have purchased a copy of the adventure module and read through it and mm. know what's coming up. So annoying. Uh, or it could be something uh, a little less inane, like, like, hey, what's your bonus to this skill? Let's see who should interact with this person to do persuasion. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a, a scale, a, a yeah. sliding scale of how we'll say how heinous the meta gaming is. So yeah. in some games, you're, you as the DM may say, I don't, I don't care if they talk about skill bonuses. I don't care if they talk about 
what this stat is, what that stat is. That's yeah. that's what players do. Others may not. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I mean, I would I would generally say that if you're talking about you know what the adventure module is, most DMs are probably not gonna <laughs> gonna smile. Yeah, most that. aren't gonna be on board with that. For new people, uh, it may be a little bit different, and you deal with a lot of new people. Yeah, so. we do like a lot of. Sometimes it's sort of like you just learn as you go along you know one i'm i'm still a relatively new dm i definitely did not have a quarter of a century worth of dming under my belt um you know so you have a new dm and you have new players and so a lot of it is just sort of stumbling across things and learning as you go um one thing i tend to frequently get asked you know is when i have a monster fighting them they'll ask me how many hit points it has Mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh yeah that would be great to know wouldn't it (laughs) anyways (laughs) Uh, you know, and moving along in that respect, um, just so that they know in kind of a humorous in-game fun way that like, you know, you're not going to get those answers just because, you know, it's not part of how I run the game. Um, I think another example when you played was when you were a thief and you went into a certain building to steal something and you were successful, the players in and of themselves knew that, right? Um, but none of their characters were like, oh, I know that you stole that. You know, if one of them had done that where it was like, oh, I know that we sent you and you stole it, blah, 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 then that would have been an example of like metagaming that I would not have, have authorized because it would have been like, yeah, of course the player knew, but the characters didn't. Yeah. And and so there's, there's kind of a, a group metagaming versus Mm. individual metagaming with with newer players. There's, there's opportunities for group metagaming Mm -hmm. and it's oftentimes just kind of laying down that, Hey, yeah. Everybody just be aware of this. And then also creative deflection. Yeah. Or, you know, a rewording. Um, like you were talking about, like, oh, who has higher persuasion points, blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe, the in, you know, it can be allowed, but only within the context of the game itself. Where it's like, oh, so-and-so, you tend to be a pretty persuasive guy. Or I know you have some, per, you know, it's pretty... I know you can talk people into doing what you want. Yeah, you seem to be pretty good with the ladies. Maybe you should talk to this person. You know, like something like that where it's like, okay, in a real world situation where maybe you had seen an example of that, then that's a way you could discuss it. And and that's actually something that I've started doing at, 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 at my table that I'm running right now is just because... I, I noticed that when my players had one little bit of metagaming, it's kind of bloomed into others. <laughs> uh, so when they when they started saying, "Well, how many hit points do you have?" Uh, I would say, "Well, listen, just just say how how are you feeling?" And somebody can say like, "Good, bad, better, whatever." Yeah. Have have descriptive words. We're we're in a game that has, uses words to describe things, so use it to describe how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, as a way, and again, that that for some DMs may just be over the top. Yeah. Uh, but I found that that if I started there, it prevented a lot of things down the line. For sure, yeah. Um, so let's kind of dive into when we have individuals that are meta- metagaming. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the conversation that, that yeah. we have there. Uh, and the, the thing I, I like to make sure that everyone's aware of, if, if you talk to, to somebody about it, is metagaming affects everyone. Yes. So yes. maybe they want to know that that their their experience with this type of monster that they that they shouldn't use bladed weapons against them but maybe the other players don't want to know that mm-hmm. maybe the other players want to play it like they're actually the 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 character that's yeah. playing um, so it does affect them yeah no it absolutely does um i mean it's kind of in assess in essence like working the system you know it's, it's in a way kind of cheating yep uh spoiler alert you know for the rest of your players that's not fair yeah so and then just kind of reiterating that 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 they can really only act on what what their character knows. Yeah. Um, 
if 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 Billy Bob the the rogue is in this other room and and he finds this artifact that they've been looking for he or finds a clue mm-hmm. that tells them how to do something then then I can't at, suddenly act upon that clue if I'm not in the same room. Exactly, yeah. You have to like actually go through logistics of, hey, you have to leave the room, go to your party, convey that to them, and then you guys are all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. And so the action when we talk about metagamers kind of depends upon how they're metagaming. Yeah. Uh, if they're if they're using that knowledge of, of monsters, um, you can, you can if, if, if you talk to them and they're not doing anything, you can do things like switching the monsters up. Mm-hmm. The the monster manual or the bestiary has has this is what what an average monster is. You can always yeah. tweak things one or another because not every not every goblin is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so they could have a higher AC. They could have uh, better stats, better hit points, whatever. Um, obviously, you don't you want to be careful with with the challenge to the overall party, but just tweaking it a little bit can kind of help uh, defray some of that that metagaming. Yeah, for sure. And. And you already mentioned the other one that, that, <laughs> that I, I like, um, which is kind of... I kind deflect of, with humor. Yeah, yeah, deflecting with humor. I don't know. I guess I'll have to find out. Uh, Golly gee, wouldn't that be swell <laughs> to know? Anyways. <laughs> and then if they're, if they're metagaming with the, with the adventure module, honestly, I, I think in a lot of cases, this is getting to the point where you may have to ask them to leave because that's yeah. pretty, pretty heinous. But you can, if you want to keep them at the table, you can change up the story. Yeah. Um, you're running a game. You don't have to do 100% by the book. You can use some of the things to influence the book, but you can change the order of things. You can change what mm-hmm. things happen, things like that. And then you can always try and preface it like for the next campaign, you know, that like, hey, you know, I want to be able to surprise you guys or, you know, I want you guys to really experience this, you know, so, you know, don't spoil it by, you know, looking at it ahead of time or anything like that. Like it's an opportunity for learning. It's also an opportunity for communicating the next time around when you guys start a new campaign. Yep. All right. Our next problem child. Mm. <laughs> uh, so is it, we're talking about the digital distractor and the socializer. Basically, these are people that are doing <sighs> things out of the game yeah. that are, are taking them and oftentimes others out of the game. Oh, yeah. Almost more often than not. It's my, <laughs> my particular problem child. <laughs> um, so when we get into, I, I, a lot of this is geared towards m- more the digital distractor, but a lot of the techniques kind of work on both. Yeah. Um, so we're really going to be focused on that digital distractor part where they're buried in their phone, middle of combat, and, and not, not looking up from it, kind of like we did in our, in our opener there. Um, but, so conversation. Yeah. What are we talking to them about? I mean, so... You know, and, and I, like I said, I, I find that the digital distractor and the socializer, again, sort of same same resolution. But if, if you're having a conversation where your type of problem child is the one that like is on their phone or if in the term of socializer is person that's having a conversation and you're in the middle of combat and it's their turn, if it's that type of person, then it's definitely, you know, something to first find out why. Mm-hmm. You know, in the case of the digital distractor, like maybe they're waiting for a really important phone call. Maybe like they have a babysitter, you know, watching their kids and they just want to make sure that, you know, in case something comes up, you know, um, or gosh, only knows like some other, you know, thing that might be like, oh, they have to have their phone and they're constantly checking it. Maybe they're breaking up with a boyfriend. I don't know. <laughs> Job interview. Or, yeah. Or, yeah in, in one of your games, I, I had to text with my son who had to. Yeah. Pick up oh, yes. our car for something. So. Yeah, exactly. So 
you know, and in all these circumstances as a DM, you always have to express that you get that there is extenuating circumstances. Yep. It's always important to find out the why before you start acting on anything um, because it could be something that you just didn't consider and that completely changes the dynamics. So once you find out the why, um, that's really important. So with that or in this case, are they just not interested in the game? Are they yes. bored out of their mind? Sometimes you just need to be like, hey, is, is, is this game not, not doing it for you? Mm-hmm. And... If not, tell me why. Yeah. Because if it's something that you can fix, you could potentially keep your, the player at the game and yeah. take care of the problem by making small tweaks to how you're running the game. And, and all, along those same lines, so one thing I learned really quickly when I started inviting more and more people into my group and the group got larger and larger, I had found that the larger the group got, um, the bigger chance that there was that someone was going to be on their phone or talking to another because the time between each person's mm-hmm. turn was just so long because everyone had to do X, Y, and Z on their turn um, that they couldn't help but like eventually like just get distracted. Like, you know, while so-and-so is sifting through the book trying to figure out what spell they want to use, you know, after a while you're just like, well, that's not interested to me. I'm a warrior, so I'm just going to talk to the guy next to me because I have nothing else to do. Yeah, what's it going to? It's not a big problem if I look if yeah. I check my email while while they're looking up their spells. Exactly, and, and but then they you know they're not keeping track, and so the next thing you know, it's their turn, and now everyone's waiting on them. So you know, again, as a DM, that's something that is within your control. You know, you can set a timer for turns. You can pair people off so that you know you don't have so many rolls for initiative. There's like a number of ways to resolve that. Yeah. But whether it's their phone or whether it's a socializer who's talking to the person next to them, the approach is still the same. You're finding out why, and then you're kind of seeing what there is within your control as a DM that you can change. And then you make, I always make sure to, to make sure that they understand, mm-hmm. hey, listen, it may seem like nothing. It may seem like you're just glancing out at your phone. Yeah. But every time you do that, um, it delays your turn. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes make makes me have to re-describe things which makes the game take longer for everyone and everyone is just you're you're affecting everyone with with this seemingly uh harmless behavior yeah and and again like for my group again as as new newer people i think a lot of these things i i've found that when i have players that have more experience they don't really have a lot of those behaviors because if they've been playing for that long they're obviously here to play the game yeah i have tend to find that when i have new players they're still learning if they like role playing, if they like D and D, if they like Pathfinder, um, and they're also not really aware of like etiquette mm-hmm. when you're at a game. And a lot of them, I have to explain. As a DM, it takes me hours to put all this stuff together. It takes me hours to create a game and to put things down and to organize everything and to have the images and the sounds ready to go. Like there's a process, and so in them, you know being on their phone or talking to someone that's very inconsiderate and dismissive to all the work that I put in to make this a good game for them. And a lot of them don't understand that that's what it took yeah, to put this game in front a of lot them. Of, a lot, especially new players, they show mm-hmm. up and they just think, well, hey, I just showed up, so yeah. everybody just, just showed up. Yeah, this is all we do. This is casual. It's <laughs> totally fun. I had an incident one time where I, it was my very first like campaign that I had made like with my heart and soul, you know, and I had an, a player who newly joined the group and the whole time... He was either on his phone or he was loudly talking to the people next to him. And when it finally got to his turn, he literally held up his finger to me in the middle of combat. And he was like, uh, I'm, he's like, um, hold on, I'm, I'm actually talking to someone. Do you mind? And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I do mind. You can go. Um, you know, and he 
obviously didn't necessarily know, and I'm sure like from other board game nights, you know, it's crazy, it's loud, it's wild, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's it's a very different environment, a di- different dynamic. And so that was definitely something that I had to approach him. Be like, look, no, it, this is not how it goes. And this is not social hour. Yeah. So. Yeah. So let's kind of talk action. We've, we've kind of talked action a little bit on this yeah. already. But I like, think the, the number one thing is, is to have a rule that no phones at the table. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, there's those instances where you've got to have your phone because you've got a babysitter, you're waiting for a hear back on a job offer, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and, and, and yeah, you can have those, those instances where you make a, an exception, yeah. but they need to explain to you, the players need to explain, this is why I need my phone here. Yeah. And if, if, if in that case um, they need to pick up their phone, because, oh, I, I, I need to talk to somebody. And it's going to be uh, a long period of time. They need to understand that if they're in combat or something, they're just going to miss their turn because yeah. you don't want to hold up the entire thing just for for their phone call. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like that clarity that you want to provide for them. And, and if it's a person who has a habit of talking, like with other players, again, you can talk about, you can, as a DM set, to what extent you would allow them to have conversations, if any. I know one, I was watching a YouTube video one time, and one guy said that what he did was, if a player wanted to talk, the only way they could talk was in their character's voice. Yep. So you had to come up with a character voice, and that was the only way that they could talk at the table. If they wanted to talk, they had to step away from the table. Hmm. They stepped away from the table, they risked losing their turn. So, you know, it, it, again, it goes back to, like, how much are you here for the game, and how much are you here for social hour? Yeah. I've also seen where people have where... If you want to talk out of character, mm-hmm. you have to do something silly, like talk with the <laughs> hand on top of your head or, yeah. or something that is is not necessarily comfortable to do. So you still yeah. enable them to, to be able to have some of those intermittent conversations because mm-hmm. you want that camaraderie at the table. Yeah, exactly. But where it's not exactly convenient to do all the time. Yeah. And again, I think like you were saying, you really have to reiterate that like, hey, every time you talk, it's the risk of detracting from the players, the game, you end up taking longer yep. so that they understand. But also make sure that you take breaks because yes. some people do need to check stuff on their phone yeah. um, um, or, or want to have that conversation. So if mm-hmm. you have breaks regularly, I mean, you can sit down for multiple hours at the table to play. And yeah. so having those breaks can really help alleviate that some as well. Absolutely. I, I have some of my sessions that will go anywhere from four to six hours. And I do not expect my players to maintain <laughs> focus for that entire period. So it, very important. Bathroom breaks, snack breaks, break breaks. You know, all the different types. Yeah. Have you gotten fed up with coordinating the schedules of all the players from your game? Then take a break from all that nonsense and tell your players, I'll catch you on Darkwind. That's right. This week's episode is sponsored by Darkwind. Whether you're making a solo run to the Pirate's Cove or you've got a group of friends attempting the Orc Slayer quest, Darkwind has something for you. With a ton of content developed over decades, there's enough for you to explore for a long time. To play Darkwind for free, point your browser to play.darkwind.org. So let's move on to our next problem. Mm, problem My next favorite. (laughs) uh, We're we're talking about the chronic late shower upper Mm -mm -mm. person who, who... regardless of what time you set up, they're always going to be there half an hour or an hour later. Yeah. Um, um, it's just just a problem. Maybe even they're a, a critical PC in your game. Yeah. And so that, that throws a bunch of things into, into disarray <laughs> because of that. Yeah. 
So um, one of the one of the things I, that you do, and I and I do to some some extent, is just have an icebreaker time at the beginning. So yeah. You say this is the time we start, and then mm-hmm. forty five minutes. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, so one, I'm a huge fan of entertaining, anyways. So I like I like making a full meal, and I have a whole spread, so that when my players come, there there is that kind of venue through which they can talk and explore and then chat and have food and stuff. So I usually give them anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour um, just to have that time and enjoy. And it helps me kind of wrap any up any loose ends that I need before the game actually starts because God only knows I try my best, but sometimes I procrastinate. (laughs) And so it also gives me an opportunity to make sure that everything is the way that I'd like it to be um, before we actually start playing. Yep. and, and I, we, we have sort of, we do a, a potluck and so we, yeah. we have people that, that so we're, mm-hmm. we're perfectly fine with, with waiting until everybody shows up as long as yeah. it's not too long, um, and go from there. Uh, but when you start with a conversation with a, with a late shore upper, um, <laughs> um, first thing I see why they're showing up late Yeah. because sometimes it may just be, yeah, you guys start at this time and that's right when I get out of work. So yeah. I got to go home. I got to change. I got to get over there. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's just a, a matter of, hey, let's see if everybody's okay with a different time. Yeah. And and you do have those individuals. You know, I, so a really good example is, um, so I, I have a, a D&D session coming up and originally we had it scheduled for the 25th, um, but we ended up realizing we had a slight conflict of schedule. And so we had to reschedule for the next day. I reach out to each member of our group asking like, hey, would you guys mind if Sunday is better for us? And I actually had several individuals within the group that was like, oh, you know what, Sunday actually would be way better for me than the day prior. And I was like, oh, it worked out then. But you know, you're gonna come across players who even when you set a date, they may not tell you that it's inconvenient for them because the rest of the group says okay, yeah. and they just kind of fall. If everybody in line. else says it's okay, I don't want to. I don't want to be the the person that derails. Exactly, and confrontation is is one thing that a lot of people just don't like to do. And so, you know, if if you find that through the conversation that you know one reason is they're struggling to get from something like work to here or dropping off their kids or they have to wait for a babysitter or whatever, um, yeah, you know. Then on, on, for you as a DM, it, it's up to you to kind of take that pro- proactive initiative and in seeing about rescheduling to a time that can work for them. I mean, we're not talking about playing favorites, but you know, if, if it makes no difference to the other players, yep. but this one it makes a world of difference to, I think that, that validates that kind of exception. And sometimes what you can do is, is, is pair them up with somebody else who gives them a ride. Because yeah, sometimes it's just that they lose track of time and, yeah. and don't understand when they need to leave to get there on time so if yeah. you pair somebody that's close to them that can give them a ride yeah sometimes that'll take care of the problems as that, well. uh, accountability <laughs> <laughs> um so when we get to to talking about actions for mm-hmm. those um one of the things that i try to stress i've seen some people post online and the thing that i always try to tell them with this is don't wait an hour for this player to yeah, show no. up before you start mm-hmm. playing because that signals to them that that they are more important than the rest of the people at the table yeah. and that you will wait for them to, to start that, that, that game. Um, so just have a rule that, Hey, we start on time. We start regardless of who's here. And mm-hmm. if you show up late, then you show up late. Yeah. Um, and, and follow that rule. Don't yes. just, don't just say it and then be like, Oh, well, 10 minutes is okay. I'll, I'll wait 10 minutes. Totally fine. <laughs> Two hours later. Um, and I think the other thing too is, is what I like to do. Well, and we used to do this back when I was in the military was, um, you know, if, if it turns out like they show up late, 
then the next time that they show up, they have to bring something like food or a dish or a drink. Um, or in our case, like if we show up late, then you better not show up empty handed. Yeah. If you're going to show up late, then you better show up with something to offer. I'm as late an apology. because I was picking up these donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, or, you know, again, because you were saying like the whole group is, is, I mean, we may have started the game, but we're still waiting on that player to show up. So obviously going out of your way to get something to bring if you are showing up late would just take further time away. So the prior version, which is, you know, if you do show up late, then the next time that you show up, you bring something. Um, though obviously the case of the potluck, someone's always going to bring something, but maybe they bring the main dish, yeah. you know, or something like that. There can something be something extra special. Yeah. I have like some sort of like, I mean, granted, yeah, it's kind of a corrective action, a consequence, but it's sort of lighthearted, it's sort of fun. It's, it's sort of out of game corrective. action. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, you know, that's a really good kind of way to sort of one convey the importance of the rule, but then two also make it still feel like you're not like coming down on them overly hard. Yeah. All right, so let's Ooh. talk about our next problem child, the mm. flaker, which the flaker. flaker is very similar to the late shower upper yes. in some in some cases because um, you don't know until game time yeah. that they're not going to be there. Yes, oh, and, and flaker can go one of two ways because you can have a flaker who says up to the moment, the day of the game, that they're going to show up and then they don't. Mm -hmm. Or you have the opposite end where like they say nothing in the group chat about showing up and then bam, suddenly they're there. Oh, I need <laughs> another chair. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I always like try to confirm the day before and the day of um, just to make sure I do have the right amount of chairs or, you know, that I make enough food, mm -hmm. things like that. But, uh, you know, flicker can go either way and either way it's annoying, so. Yep, yep. Uh, and so when you get into the conversation, it, again, it's very similar to, to the late. Find out why they're flaking. Yeah. Is, is, is this, is, is Saturday the day that they have every, every other week, they have mm -hmm. uh, kids recital that they have to go to or a volleyball yeah. game or whatever. Um, they double booking that, themselves. Yeah. Are they, are, are they double booking and don't even realize it? Because yeah. I know that sometimes, like we have a family calendar that we try to share that stuff, but sometimes stuff doesn't get added. Yeah. largely because of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if you scheduled something and you didn't realize that something else was there and mm -hmm. then you just don't tell anybody, yeah. that, that could be part of the issue. Um, but the other thing is like, are they actually interested in playing the game? Yeah, that's, and this is one of the main significant differences between your flaker and your chronic late show or upper is that you know they may just be flaking because it's just not a priority. Yeah. You know people make time for the things that are important to them, uh, and if this game isn't important because maybe this just hasn't really captured their interest, they've realized it's not really their thing. And there's no judgment at all, but maybe upon discovering that again, because a lot of people avoid confrontation, <laughs> uh, you know it can be up to you as the DM to take that initiative and just kind of in a friendly, non-judgmental way, just be like, hey, you know, if it's not your thing, I get it. I totally understand. It's not going to impact our friendship or anything. Um, you know, just don't stress about it. Like, if you don't want to come, that's totally fine. I just wanted to know ahead of time so that we could properly prepare. And that's really some something where that that one-on-one -on -one conversation out of the game mm -hmm. is valuable cuz sometimes you'll have people that are that are like a significant other, like the boyfriend of of somebody that's coming yeah. and the boyfriend's coming because the girlfriend wants to play and is excited about it. The yeah. boyfriend's there just because yeah. she's there. She asked him to. Um, so having that conversation away from them where mm -hmm. they're they're separate, you might might get to a true answer a little bit more yeah. easily. Uh, and, and, you know, speaking of dynamics between people, mm -hmm. um, you know, one other issue could be like maybe there's something going on between players. Yeah. Um, we had a, a group back where it was like, you know, the dynamics between certain two or three players was just 
it wasn't there. They weren't the best of dynamics. And so we had a player just kind of step away because he was like, yeah, you know, it's not the game. It's just, I really am not. I don't like this person. I don't like this person. I'm not jiving with these characters. I'm just not really connecting them in a way that I feel makes this game a fun experience for me. Um, And again, they probably just may not tell you because they don't want to be that guy. But yeah, and, and sometimes it may be like there's some sort of in-person beef. Like, yeah, like he wronged me in my real life and I don't want to sit at the table with him. Yeah. And in those cases, if if you really want to have everybody still continue to play the game, you may have to play mediator there. Yeah. They're probably not going to do it on their own. Mm-mm. I mean, it could have been like maybe in real life he stole the last yogurt. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you may have to play mediator. Or um, for me, you know, they're grown adults. And, you know, as much as, like, I as a DM may want to get involved, if it's an out-of-game beef, it may need to be resolved out-of-game without even us mediating because that's something that necessarily isn't within our control and we don't necessarily have all the context. Right. So, you know, there's there's um, two sides to every story and then there's the truth, somewhere in between. Yeah, and, I mean, you can you can try and get them to come together to talk it out, but that's really about as far as you're going to take it. Yeah. Um, And and honestly, that's a lot for like any DM to like go out of their way to do. Um, But I think it's important to convey to both people how that's impacting the table and for them to decide, are they going to be able to get past this to play together? Or are they going to decide, you know, you know, I'm not going to come, I'm going to come, or are they neither one going to come? Like it's really up to them, but either way they need to resolve it outside. Yep. So. Whew, this is getting heavy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Laying down the law. All right. And so this is part of action. So let's get to action. Yeah, which um, we kind of touched on a bit. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the things that I have as a rule for my game is that we always play if there's at least a certain number of people that show yeah. up. So we have five people at my table. If three show up, we play. Uh, it doesn't matter what the reason the other two don't show up, uh, we continue on without them. Yeah. And how you deal with them not being there. There's a variety of ways to do it. We're not, I don't know that we're going to get really into that for this episode, but you find a way for them, their, their player, their, their character not to be in the game. Yeah. They wandered off and... They and, fell into a hole and they weren't discovered for two days. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but ha- stating that up front at the beginning and saying, we will play if this many people show up, period, um, means A, that people will still show up if somebody says, I'm not going to be, be able to be there, yeah. uh, which is good because you can keep playing. And B, it... it again, tells people that they're not more important than the game. Well, I think one thing that you did too when I was back when we first started like playing in your group was like, you know, when you you had people respond a certain time before the game started saying that they weren't going to come and if you had certain people that weren't going to come, you went ahead and in the Facebook page itself that we were all a part of, you provided sort of a preface little backstory of like what's going on and those people not being there so that we knew to sort of have that adjusted expectation when we came in. Um, And so that's, that's the other thing is, you know, you can create a group chat. I have a text group chat message for all of my players. You have a Facebook page. I think that you have, some people have meetup pages. Um, I think there's a good way just as long as you provide a venue through which you guys can communicate on that group level for you guys to be like, Hey, we're going to show up. We're not going to show up. Give them a timeline to respond. Um, I think that's a really good way of trying to just make sure that the the incidents of flaking are minimized. Yeah, and and really you need to to the to the flaker communicate that hey, if I send something out and ask for response on whether or not you're coming, mm-hmm. you need to you need to respond to that. Yeah, and if you don't and you don't for long enough, I'm going to stop inviting you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe they're just uninvited. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then then uh, another thing is you can. 
if if the Flakers not showing up, maybe maybe they're not into the game. Maybe mm-hmm. they just they're so busy that they only have certain times. You can have an occasional like a board game night yeah. where say, hey, I'm not going to invite you to the to the the role playing game anymore, but we're going to have board game nights. I'd love for you to still be involved. Yeah, we all like hanging out. So it's way more casual. And and if they don't show up, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, and, and I mean that's the beauty of things like board games. I mean, even if like even if they showed up late, you know, they can hop in and still join, you know, if it's a group thing, like you can you know always express like, you know, we get that they're struggling with this, but you know, maybe it's just that particular time and that particular day. I like I said, I love having people over, so I try to perform like provide several opportunities throughout the month to come and hang out. And so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's one of those where like you don't want them to feel put off by like not being able to come to D&D and that one thing you can do to kind of ease that is just providing another opportunity for them to hang out. Yeah. So take the take the stress off. Yeah. Go from there. <laughs> All right, so our next uh problem player is our rules lawyer. Mm. So I want to kind of be real clear when we when we talk about the rules lawyer. It's not somebody that happens to know just have this oracle like knowledge of of all the rules of the game yeah we talked in episode one about how having having one of those rules oracles we'll yes. call them at the table can be beneficial to you when you don't know what the rules is specifically say yeah um so the rules lawyer may know what the rules are but they will argue them and almost kind of uh distort those rules Manipulate to meet them. their specific needs so mm-hmm. it, it's like a lawyer going to to court and yes this is the law but i'm going to argue that my client did this workaround <laughs> so that it was kind of with the law and and he, sh- he shouldn't be convicted yeah um same sort of thought process with the rules lawyer here is, is they take those rules and they argue why in this case it should be different this way because of this and this and mm-hmm. this um so uh when we when we talk about the conversation with with them I, I've only had one or two rules lawyers at the table, but but when I when I have, I basically said, listen, my rulings at the table are final. Mm-hmm. If you have an issue with them and you want to argue them, then after our session is done, you can reach out to me, send me an email, send yeah. me a text message, whatever, and you can say, this ruling I disagree with and here is why. Yeah. And I'll consider it. Uh, I, I won't say that I'm going to uh definitely change the ruling and the ruling that has already happened is passed mm-hmm, this would be just mm-hmm. for future instances of this yeah um so making it to where they can't do this on the fly your honor this is why this, <laughs> should, this should not be the case yeah um, can really uh defray a lot of that t- tension at the table yeah uh, because it's it's a it's an issue it is no it definitely is and i think you know there's there's two things really that are problems about it is one that it again it detracts from the gaming experience of other people it slows down everything you're going to spend 10 minutes arguing with me why you think this rule should apply as opposed to what i said it you know it should do you know you're just taking away from everyone else um and then second like a lot of people will try and pick and choose like in this one instance this is where the rule should apply but then in the next instance it shouldn't if it's my enemies that, that are yeah. doing this then it doesn't apply no, to them that makes no sense yeah <laughs> you can't pick and choose how it's good it's either going to be all the way across for everyone or it's not but regardless like you said it's it's up to you as the dm and if they want to talk about it then outside of the game where it's not going to adversely impact yeah. anyone else yeah, so so we're kind of blending in the the conversation and action a little bit because mm. when, when when we talk about action, 
the first thing is we're not yeah. going to talk about this right now. Yeah. Uh, being being very very uh, familiar with that phrase can can help mm-hmm. make sure the game keeps moving forward. Um, so that so that again you can take it offline. And, and you know, there's a couple ways you know outside of that game. So I know you you had talked about like oh you could discuss it one on one. You know, there, there's a couple other ways of conflict resolution that you can do. Um, one, it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, you can always do a suggestion box that someone can just put in there, you know, because maybe they don't, like, want to be singled out. They don't want to be that problem child. I know that the rules lawyer probably is the person that's going to directly um, confront you about it. But just in case, it's good to have it there. Or um, one thing that I'm considering, too, is, is if you have a person who feels very strongly about a certain rule, but there really just isn't that time for discussion, um, this can go back to how you manage and organize your time. You know, that first initial 45 minutes to an hour that I allow people to show up, maybe that's a great opportunity for everyone to sit around and talk about how, you know, everyone as a majority feels about a certain rule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tell them to write it down, and then at the next session, you know, since they've already written it down, let's dedicate this particular month's first 45 minutes to, like, let's go ahead and just discuss it as a group and what everyone feels, and then that way it kind of feels like a group decision that everyone's on par with, because maybe he's not the only one that feels that way about that rule. Yep. And if you have more than one player that feels that way, I think it validates listening to them. Yep. And if you do change a ruling, uh, we've talked about this in other episodes before, yeah. but make sure that you document it and that you use it uniformly. Yeah. Again, because a lot of the time the rules lawyer only wants that rule to apply to them <laughs> and not their enemies. Yeah. So you make sure you document it. And so when you start applying it to their enemies and they say, well, no, no, no. And you can say, well, look, yeah. here's where oh. it's documented. This is what we said the rule was going to be. Yeah. That's the end of the story. Yeah. You did this to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, we're in the home stretch. Oof. Last uh, last problem player type is the troublemaker. And I'm yes. going to let you kind of introduce them. <laughs> Um, troublemaker. Um, so, you know, your troublemaker is kind of, it's, it's a multiple of different habits that can detract from your player's gaming experience, but it's the person who, um, wants to do his own thing in spite of the group wanting to do something. Um, it's the person that will challenge every, every ruling that the DM makes, um, similar to a rules lawyer. Um, it's the person that will challenge and second guess everyone's decision within the group. Um, so essentially it's just, creating friction and complication where there doesn't need to be. Um, And very similar to your rules lawyer, you know, you can emphasize those rules outside of the game um, when it comes to like actions, right? But when it comes to like conversation, I, and this is kind of for all of these problem children's, like all of these rule breaking (laughs) habits, right? You can go one of two ways, absolutely 100%. You can talk about this outside one-on-one and I think it might be good to do both of these but have a one-on-one conversation and or um, what you can do is is especially for me as a new DM I've I've just kind of learned as I've gone and as we've played games and I've gotten experience we've kind of stumbled across things that could be improved upon so you know every few games I just take some time and talk about it like in a general consensus hey guys so we've been playing for a while and there's a few things that have come up and i think it would be good to have established rules so that everyone's on the same page so you know instead of just singling a particular habit or a particular person out which i hope you wouldn't single a person out at a game but a particular habit or a particular rule breaking incident um, incident instead cover uh, several things that you have noticed over a period of time because chances are you know, it would be good for everyone to have that clarification, everyone to be on that same page, because you never know, like, 
maybe flaking or maybe having your cell phone is something that Joe has been doing, but maybe next time it's gonna be Nancy that does it because yeah. she saw Joe do it and you didn't say anything. Yep. Um, and she didn't know that you had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Joe outside of the game. So it may actually behoove all of your players and you as a DM to go over several of the rules so that everyone kind of knows. Um, that's a really good way to sort of address those actions. This includes your troublemaker. Um, again, when it comes to the actions, we've stressed this before, the why, but you know, if it's a person you know that is challenging or second guessing, one kind of reiterate the collaborative nature mm -hmm. of this game. Uh, we do a thing where it's like, hey, majority rules. So you know, the rule here is like, if you have a group of five people and four out of five want to do this, this is how it's going to go. And whether you agree with it or not, you know, it's still part of the game. You have to react collaboratively. If it's not your thing, then maybe this game isn't your thing. Um, you have a thing where uh, we have a, we talked about this a combat timer. Yep. Where it's like, hey, you know, if, if ever, each person's making their own combat decision, you have 10 seconds to make your decision. So don't ruin that by trying to second guess someone else's combat action. Um, the other thing you can do uh, that I think can help um, that I did with ours is we have a group leader within our group. So when you have two sections of a group that are kind of at an impasse and no one can really figure out, do they want to go left or do they want to go right, your group leader will decide for you. Yeah. Um, and we did that in our session zero, where we established that they voted for who they wanted to be the leader. And so when we deflect to his decision, it usually goes unquestioned. Um, and so then, yeah. One of the things that, that I do, uh, oftentimes I see the troublemaker in role-playing situations where he wants to dominate the conversation. He wants yes. to talk over everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to just kind of pause everything and be like, well, I want to know what, what so-and-so is thinking. Yeah. So... You, you specifically highlight one person who may be getting talked over and mm -hmm. give them the opportunity to, to talk. And if they continue to talk over them, then you say, hold on, hold on. I still want to know what this person's yeah. thinking. And yeah, it's a little bit more active in game, um, mm -hmm. but, but it can, it can help, help kind of nip that behavior in the bud when, when yes. you kind of say, wait, this person hasn't talked for a while. Mm -hmm. Let them talk. And, and that's, yeah, I think that's one of the few instances and then not, not in the sense of punishment or anything like that more like corrective action mm -hmm. you know most of these incidences that we've given we've say you know it can be better to resolve out of the game this is one of those few times where like you were saying yeah it does require a little proactiveness within the game and not necessarily to punish but rather to correct to, to balance to give everyone a fair chance to say their piece um, and usually it's just because they're so excited you know they just don't know and you have to kind of you know moderate you have to mitigate that um, if you have a person who's absolutely like just put off by the fact that no one's going with their decision, then take it out of their hands. You could do a rock, paper, scissors, make it fun. You can do a roll. Uh, you could do a flip of the coin and then you know what the fates have decided. Yep. Um, and then, uh, then no one has really technically, you know, won anyone over. It's just been like, okay, heads, we go left, tails, we go right. We'll see what it tells us. Yeah. And ideally that's kind of a last resort. Ideally yes. you want the players to work it out so of that course. in future situations, they have a, a framework to work things out mm -hmm. um, amongst themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that is all we had for today. <laughs> that was a, quite the episode. Yes, uh, it was. But uh, uh, we're excited to kind of get back on our normal episode schedule. Yeah. Uh, we're out of the series and mm -hmm. into kind of individual episodes. If you have ideas for things you would like to hear us talk about, we would love to hear about mm -hmm. it. So please go to uh, becomingdm.com and click contact. Let us know. Or reach out to us on facebook.com slash becomingdm or on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. But until next time, <laughs> stay, stay nerdy, nerdy friends. friends.
Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. It really does help. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. If you've got an idea for a future episode, let us know. You can reach us at becomingdm.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. We'll see you in two weeks.